0: Time? Where does it go? I just don't know. It just goes places. Time. Project Happy is brought to you from the closets of Caitlin McCarthy and Paula Burroughs. Just a warning that Caitlin and Paula
1: use a certain four-letter word here and there.
2: Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Paula. And hi to everyone listening. Thank you for being here as Caitlin and I make our way through the Happiness Project Experience. If this
0: is the first episode you're listening to, uh, the basics of what we're doing here is that for each month of this year, we will be focusing on our habits in different areas of our lives in hopes of cultivating greater happiness. We're following bestselling author Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project Experience. And there's actually a lot of people following along with it as well
2: across the world. Yeah, very popular. And for all of us in February, we are focused on our energy. So Gretchen Rubin stresses the need for accountability when building new habits. And one of the tools she recommends is a daily checklist called a don't break the chain. Each day that you maintain your resolution, you tick the box and the goal is not to break the chain of ticks. Caitlin? How did your Don't Break the Chains go? And remind us what they were. Yeah, some
0: great, some not so great. <laughs> my uh, my morning pages, my fitness challenges, there were a few. And uh, calling my parents once a week, those were great. But like, I do need to work on keeping to a schedule. Ah, like, why do I find this so hard? You know, um, there's a line in Streetcar Named Desire. It's a play by Tennessee Williams. And Blanche, one of the characters, is like, I don't know where money goes. It just goes places. Where does it go? That's what I feel like I am with time. Ugh, just disappears. Anyway, uh, working on scheduling myself a little bit more. So the two things that didn't go as well were going to bed by eleven and getting up by seven thirty. Not brutal, just not super precise. And then I was—I had this break the chain of using seven thirty a.m. to ten a.m. every day to do the important things first. Yeah, that didn't happen. I, I think it mostly is that it wasn't a precise enough goal. Like, it was just completely vague. Do those important things in that two-hour period. Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, I will say that the chunk of time in which I didn't drink any alcohol in the evenings, or at all, uh, I usually felt less groggy in the morning. But honestly, not not enough to really notice. And I love the experience of savoring and winding down with a glass of wine. And I usually replace it with herbal tea or hot chocolate or something warm and comforting. And those feel totally fine. So I'm going to be a moderator about the whole thing and just alternate them. So, you know, a glass of wine isn't my default necessarily, but I have no problem with drinking some Bengal spice or some hot chocolate. <laughs> I will say that. If I did have a glass of wine, the pull to curl up on the couch and fall asleep there was real. And there was one night I didn't wash my face, which is like sacrilege.
2: Oh, yeah. That <laughs> you <happens>. know, like
0: <laughs> it totally happens, like on the couch. And then you just want to go to bed or I just want to go to bed. Um, so that's something I want to keep an eye out for. But I'm going to go ahead and say my sleep hygiene is an 8 out of 10. Room for improvement, but totally
2: okay. So as usual, we're going to continue to keep trying to know ourselves better to help us build the habits that will work for us. And Gretchen has lots of different ways of categorizing personalities that help us do that. So one of them that we talked about in our last episode was, are you an owl or a lark? So do you like to stay up late at night or do you like to rise early in the morning? And I want to know, Caitlin, are you an owl or a lark? And how did that affect your habit building around energy?
0: I'm not sure. I think I need another month to figure that out or something because I, like, like I was saying with my time disappearing, it's like I need morning time to wander around my apartment <laughs> or something really effective like that. Like, I I don't mind getting up early, but I find if I do, I'm not ready to go right away. And I'm not super productive at night. So I'm sort of a midday strength kind of person, whatever that is.
1: <laughs> so,
2: I don't know. Jury's out. We'll check back in. What about you? Oh, I'm definitely a lark. If I stay up too late, everything falls apart. I'm superhuman at 7 a.m. I accomplish more before 10 a.m. than I do between 11 and 5, for sure. Interesting. How did your break the chains go? Yeah, my don't break the chains. Well, I struggled a little with consistency this month. To focus on increasing my energy, the habits I wanted to build were to stop bringing my phone to bed. This was a repeat from January. To stop saying that I'm anxious. To clean for 10 minutes before bed. To work out Tuesday Fridays and jog Sunday Thursdays. And to go to bed early, which is also a repeat from January. So I wanted to stop bringing my phone to bed because at the end of the night and first thing in the morning is when I fall into my scroll holes. Or I find myself texting because I'm maybe lonely. I live alone. And that's not what I want to be doing with my time, especially with my current new passion for sleep. I mean, I don't know if it's new, but a reinvigorated passion for sleep. (laughs) I want to feel comfortable being with myself. And I was very consistent with this throughout the month. My screen time, honestly, my phone says it's dropped 70%. And that's incredible. Yeah. Like, I need to do that. Wow. 70%, which is that's huge. huge. Yeah. yeah. And I'm back to reading in bed, which is what I did before I was addicted to my cell phone. Oh, that's great. Yeah, there's something so
0: nice and analog about reading a book before bed.
2: Yeah, it's very comforting, relaxing, nostalgic. Mm-mm. I love it. So I wanted to stop saying I was anxious, which I did, and I found it very useful in terms of the amount of energy I was putting into that feeling, but I don't want to trivialize anxiety, and this was greatly supported by the fact that I'm learning about thought patterns in a cognitive brain therapy group right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's been really great. And so as much as I believe our habits are healthier, I'm also taking care of my mental health especially after 2020 being so bonkers. Yeah
0: I think that building resilience in any way like in in any way that works for you especially
2: is it's great. Oh yeah it's super interesting. I wanted to clean for 10 minutes before bed which was great in terms of energy in the morning to wake up to a clean house but I hated doing it most nights. (laughs) I find that if I push myself to do it right before dinner it's a lot easier for me. So I've been doing my 10 minutes right after dinner and then, like, a wee two-minute tidy before bed. Fluff the pillows, fold oh, the blankets. Yeah, yeah. That's, I like that. I did come home very late one night, and I, before I left, I put, like, I put bathroom cleaner on the floor to the bathroom. So I knew before I washed my face, you have to clean the bathroom.
1: That's great.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. You're, like, not giving yourself an escape plan
2: (laughs) no it was there waiting for me at midnight or whatever that's impressive thank you thank Mm -hmm. you um so with my workouts and going to bed early this was really inconsistent this month I got a call from health Canada that I needed to do a two-week isolation I have tested negative so that's great yay but my daily routine really fell apart Two weeks seems like a very long time when you get that phone call. I know we've been really lucky here in BC compared to other places, but uh, here's a little clip of me two days into isolation.
1: It's been a hard day. A really hard day of feeling really, really bad and crying a lot. Oh my God. And taking care of other people's feelings because they were going through a hard day, but they were good people. And also feeling like my feelings weren't taken care of. Like it has been a day. It's been a day, but I broke all the rules. I am drunk. I had bread. Well, I mean, bread's not one of the firm rules, but it's a a mini rule. It's a mini rule in there. I am up. It's like, it's one. I think it's one in the morning. It must be one. I'm watching Bling Empire, season one, episode two. Really want to know if Elizabeth is watching it too. I feel like she'd be into it. Um... I feel good about breaking all the rules. I'm going to feel terrible tomorrow.
2: So that happened. I tried to rebuild from there, though. I wasn't allowed to jog because of heavy breathing. And that really threw me off of my fitness class consistency. Because I wasn't checking some of the boxes, it seemed a lot easier to check less of the boxes.
0: Or none at all.
2: Well, no, I still did 11 days of, of fitness. Oh, that's month. great. It was supposed to be, I think, seventeen if I counted it out. So oh, that's like nothing. That's totally good. I mean, I feel like it's like a sneeze. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> but like last month, you said
0: you didn't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So eleven workouts
2: is eleven workouts. That's great, but I'm also not a moderator. I'm an abstainer. right. And I think it goes the same way in the other direction. I'm all in or all out.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So you, you got to get your drill sergeant
2: on here a little bit. I think so. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out.
1: <laughs> That's really funny.
2: Caitlin, did you have any other overarching resolutions for the month? Because I know you think in that term a lot.
0: Yeah. Because break the chains are helpful to a point. I tend to use them for small things that are really achievable. Um, but then I had sort of one-off goals, or I will have one-off goals every single month. So... Uh, This month, the ones I did complete were I bought an alarm clock because I'm trying not to bring my phone to bed. Um, I'm hoping that'll help with the scroll in the morning. What I can do is keep my ringer on, but outside of the room. So if I get a call, I'll hear it, but I won't immediately pick up my phone and start scrolling. And I actually think March is going to be about decluttering, but there was a couple of things I wanted to donate. And so I I got rid of those uh, because I felt like that was a drain on my energy. Mmm. Yeah. And I made that IKEA return.
2: You made that IKEA return. How many months since June, you said?
0: <laughs> no, July. But July. still, yeah, it's it's uh defo. Defo been a while. So how would I rate my energy on a scale of one to ten? Uh I mean, now that my iron infusions are almost done, I think I'm a goddamn energizer bunny. Wouldn't you say, Paula? Yeah. <laughs> you <definitely>. you recently <laughs> took one of my yoga classes. What do you think?
2: Well, um, I was in my isolation, so my energy was not where yours was, and it was fast-paced, let's say.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Like, I'm always aware. I I have these moments sometimes where I'm like, oh, Caitlin, you're at a nine, and everyone around you is at a bit of a 6.5.
2: Let's go to, like, a seven. (laughs) I think you were at a nine, and I was at a
0: four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So meeting in the middle. Yeah. Well, how about you? What do you, do you feel like it affected your energy level?
2: Okay. So I would say that for a lot of February, because of that two week isolation period, which happened in the second portion of the month, I had very low energy and I was inconsistent with sleep and I wasn't allowed to go for jogs, but I did try to use Gretchen Rubin's idea of burning energy to make energy. So for example, doing 10 squats instead of having a cup of tea in the afternoon. That's a really good
0: strategy though to have more energy.
2: Yeah, it's been great for me because I realize now that going for that jog in the morning has always been difficult to get out of bed and go out into the cold. But now that it has a purpose as it is my cup of coffee and I do it at 2 p.m. instead, I feel that that works a lot better for me. Oh, that's really cool. You understand your why. I understand my why. So I think I have been at a four. I was at a four for the second half of February, but as March is beginning, I'm already feeling a lot better. Cool. So that's energy, but do you think you feel happier? Do I feel happier? Yeah. I am noticing a significant improvement in my day-to-day happiness. I find myself smiling to myself a lot more, and just taking a moment to think that I feel good.
0: That's great. That sounds like your strategy of not saying you're anxious also has really contributed.
2: Very much so. How about you? Are you feeling any happier? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I feel like the
0: pandemic was a real ebb and flow for me this month. Like every couple of weeks, um, a wave of darkness creeps up the back of my head and catches me, pulls me asunder. You know, we've all been there. Uh, maybe not all of us. Lucky you if you haven't.
2: Don't let the existential dread set in.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, definitely needs to- I wonder what month we'll be talking about existential dread.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure it's right after clutter clearing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. and like that sets in less than it used to, for sure. And I'm much better at dealing with it when it comes. like i I think I said in maybe our first episode, my anxiety is at an all-time low, which is great. I've very much focused on my mental health for years now. Um, but this month, I, I had a bit of a breakdown after going to IKEA, and uh, I, I made a little voice memo to share with everyone. I'm walking in the parking lot of IKEA. I was just there returning something and wow, there's a, there's nothing quite like being at Ikea during a global pandemic. Oh, it, it really made me have a think, you know, about, well, I mean, there's no clearer example of the sneakiness of a Protestant work ethic and whether or not productivity and happiness are actually even related, let alone the same thing, than being at IKEA during a global pandemic arguably caused by late stage capitalism. So really what I'm noticing is that even though my anxiety and panic are fairly in check these days, the darkness of the pandemic is real and it ebbs and flows for me and You know, in the past couple of days, I've felt the black hole a little bit. Uh, And I had a piece of almond cake. Cake was really good. But sitting at the restaurant was really sad. So, friends listening, we've decided to name an official section of our podcast. Caitlin has a question because generally there is a question I have each month or each. yeah each month. And this week, my question is, is doing a project about happiness missing the point? I can't help but feel like if this is a simulation and there's a Black Mirror-esque audience watching me and thinking, wow, she really thinks running errands is going to fill the void of being human. That's cute. And, and by the void, I mean... You know, the fear of death and our attempt to live our lives to the fullest, but falling short and wanting to feel like everything is okay in the present moment, sitting with things like that. I know I'm not helping myself or anyone else by getting existential about it, but this is what it looks like to live authentically to me. And if I'm authentic, I'm much more likely to be happy, I think. So, (laughs) okay. If I believe the phrase that no one is free until we are all free, I think I also believe that no one gets to pursue happiness until we all get to pursue happiness. So on this trip to Ikea, the central crisis I'm feeling is that I'm focusing on goals that assume productivity and happiness are the same thing. And I think that's a lie, a lie that capitalism has sold me and I have definitely bought into, at least if productivity means spending and making money. And I don't think buying these shoes will make me happy, but I do sometimes think finding a cool vintage jumpsuit makes me feel personally creative and expressive of my style, or getting a new couch will make me feel good because then my space will be beautiful. And that's kind of the same impulse as buying these shoes will make me happy, isn't it? Because I'm happy and free to choose how I spend money? And and I get to make money to spend at stores that ultimately make rich people even wealthier at the expense of workers that barely make enough money to survive. I believe that's the case for IKEA. And while deforestation is a real issue, but we just need more furniture. <sighs> okay, I did just buy a new couch, which is much more comfortable than my old one. And I, I think I feel happier when I'm sitting on it, at least. It was secondhand. I really try not to buy anything new unless I have to. There's just way too much shit in the world. So, I don't know. Consuming. Productivity. Happiness. What do we think? Does anyone out there have any advice for me? Maybe I need some renunciation or something. What is it to be happy? Gretchen, how do you feel about late-stage capitalism? Please advise. I I also don't think it's her job to save the planet or to tell me what to do. She doesn't know, that's not what she does, but she is a person with a lot of followers and therefore power, and that people power could be put toward organizing and changing policies, not just cleaning out our closets. And I think it's all of our responsibilities to leave the world a better place than we found it. So, sidebar here, I took a workshop a few years ago on dismantling racism with a wonderful teacher whose name is Michelle C. Johnson. Look her up. The workshop is called Skill in Action. And one of the phrases that has really stuck with me is, how can I leverage my specific social location to ensure that everyone gets to thrive? Social location would be who I am. Like, I am a white Canadian. My ancestors were settlers. I'm a yoga teacher, an actor, a daughter, et cetera. But it's also where I work, what resources I have access to, like education, money, people. So what can I do with all of those things that are uniquely me to make sure everyone gets to thrive? That seems like a pretty logical thing to me. Like, everyone should get to thrive and to be happy. An example of one of the commitments I've made is to try to share resources I've found helpful. To have uncomfortable conversations about race, for example. So the labor of teaching isn't always only required by BIPOC folks. BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And listen, the learning and the conversations are clunky, but we can collectively build more awareness and resiliency around these conversations if we have them. Because racism and inequality are not going away, unfortunately. And if I don't have the ability or bandwidth to have those conversations, can I donate money? Can I bring blankets and food to protests or organizations where people are doing that work? And whenever I have the impulse to say to myself, I just want to think about how much water I had today. Like, that's not my life. I don't have to think about it. I try to look at that. like, What is my resistance? Do I feel like I don't know what to do? Like some part of it is unfair? Why? Am I afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing and getting into trouble? It sucks to feel like I mess up. And the more I practice being wrong and learning, the better. And if I have a conversation with someone and I truly disagree, fine. At least I interrogated what I believe and why. Okay. so in terms of the Happiness Project experience, for me, I felt like being productive was going to be a way to focus on energy. And so that's what I did for February. And that's how I ended up reflecting on this existential crisis of mine. And I don't think it's bad to find productivity energizing exactly. Like I noticed this week when I was running some errands, I felt less of a pull to consume. And that's great. Usually if I'm walking on commercial drive, I have the impulse to browse in a consignment store. But this time I didn't have that impulse. And the takeaway from that for me is that when I pay more attention to my life, I feel more focused and when I feel more focused, I drift less. And the way I often drift is by consuming. It's like thrifting, grabbing a coffee, going to a used bookstore. It's all the same impulse. So I I guess that's what I learned about myself this month. <laughs> Next up, Caitlin learns to sit with the void.
2: Mm, that's a lot to think about.
0: Totally. Welcome to my brain. <laughs> um, You know what? It's also that... Relating back to energy and what we were focusing on and what Gretchen has us looking at, I I also think I'm realizing that I want to harness my energy a bit better so I can better help others. It can't just be about drinking more water for me. That's mostly because if given the opportunity to focus on myself and be like a bit self-centered, I will. And so I need to remember to also go outside of myself. Um, and, like, I think about those big concepts all the time. Right, Paula?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. But I don't always take the steps to to make things actionable. So
2: that's what I want to work toward. Right. Well, I mean, I hear you when you say that running errands isn't going to stop the existential dread from setting in. Sometimes it does, though, Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My interpretation of this project is to build healthy habits that bring my baseline feeling to one of feeling good rather than one of feeling constantly overwhelmed and panicked. And so the word happiness is too simple because how can we feel happy when we know there is suffering? Or maybe it's how can we live with ourselves and our happiness when we know there is suffering? It's a huge question, but... I know you love this, to look at this through a lens of simplicity.
0: No, I need it. Make it simple.
2: Like, I know that when I am in my darkest moments, I have a lot of needs from all the people around me. Whereas when I'm feeling energetic and calm and organized, I'm able to look outside myself and take care of the needs of the people that I love. Mm -hmm. Like, your thoughts on capitalism are definitely not far from my feelings, but I think that Humans have sought out beauty, even outside systems of capitalism. And I think you're downplaying the thought that you gave to buying a secondhand couch rather than something new. You talked about um, how clearing out your trunk, for example, Mm -hmm. isn't going to do anything for your energy because it's just an errand. But maybe now you have room in the trunk of your car to help a friend move or to deliver groceries to someone in quarantine. Or maybe it just takes away that little negative thought that you get in the middle of the night where you're like, oh, I still haven't done that. It keeps your baseline from dipping. And I definitely think that we're being bombarded from every angle with constant advertising and being mindful of where we shop and what we buy is really important. So no, money does not bring happiness, but having the resources to support the causes we believe in might So no, I don't think those shoes are going to do it. But I think having enough money is part of the equation as well. It's so hard. I mean, and I hear your frustration about Gretchen Rubin, but I think she is championing her own message, which has certainly helped me be happier. And that's really all I am looking to her for. She doesn't maybe lead the causes that I care about, but she does highlight people that do, which I think is a contribution in itself. She is someone who disseminates information, and though social justice or sustainability or other causes that I care about are not part of her daily conversations, they are given moments on her podcast and in her interviews from the Happiness Project experience.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: For example, like, she recently interviewed Deepa Iyer, the the creator of the Social Change Ecosystem Map, which identifies 10 roles people play in helping to bring about social change. So, I mean, maybe like learning from what you're saying, I could figure out which one of those roles I can fill. Maybe Hmm. all of us can. Yeah, for sure. So here I am loving Gretchen Rubin again. (laughs) And you always tell me to make things small. And maybe maybe the pursuit of happiness for everyone is a little too much for me right now. And if I just start small with myself maybe I'll have the emotional resources to look outside myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And yeah, I, I think I'm wrestling more with sorting out how to sit with those big feelings. You know, the void, human suffering, messaging I'm constantly receiving about consumption, and acting in line with my values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I also think that You, me, and Gretchen, in a sense, are all on the same team. I mean, I I guess I don't know about Gretchen. Maybe she can never afford to work again. Like, I don't think she's Jeff Bezos, basically. She's not (laughs) that level of wealthy. Um, So at least you and I are on the same team. And of course, we want things to be better for everybody and the world to change so that can happen, even if that means giving up some of our personal comfort. Um, Of course. Yeah, I but but sometimes making the link between wanting that and doing things that contribute to that I find difficult or I, like I I'm not putting them together just yet. But it, and and it's also hard to know what to do. Um my partner always says this thing that like instead of you and I arguing, not that we're arguing, but like getting to, into the specifics of this conversation, what if we united to dismantle capitalism? You know, like Just take down the whole system. And I know that's lofty, and I know we don't have any other system to replace it with at this point. I just feel like ultimately that is what is preventing all of us from thriving. You, me, the person who was cleaning the dishes at IKEA when I had that delicious cake. (laughs) Also, interestingly enough, this is where my drill sergeant comes in. There is death a voice in my head that's like, but what are you doing to save the world, Caitlin? And what are you doing, Paula, to save the world? And I'm like, I'm trying to break it down to what parts of that are actually helpful because I don't think guilting myself or my friends into doing anything, like I would never guilt you into doing anything. But it's the inner voice, right? Great impulse, but I think I need to use my strategy of breaking it down. Otherwise, I get overwhelmed and then I do
2: nothing. But anyway. maybe, I don't know if this is something that we heard in theater school. Maybe it is. But maybe it's both and, ah! you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe it's not just we save the world or we feel happy and run our errands. Maybe, like, we need to do, be doing both these things alongside each other.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I think that's very true. And so I, I'm, I'm working out ways to find action. Yeah. Right.
2: Yes, because I hear you minimizing the impact that your own happiness can make but i think Mm. it's both you need to do both yeah and you shouldn't be minimizing your happiness because other people are suffering instead you should be using the energy that you get from your happiness to put into the causes that you care about absolutely
0: yeah i know i totally agree with that
2: yeah and it's interesting that you say minimizing
0: because i do think that drill sergeant in her voice It's one of the few ways that I have really high expectations of myself and and others that it doesn't feel good enough, mostly because there is so much suffering. Like, what what more can we do? And I think in taking this apart a little bit, like, I recognize how when I talk about ideas, the level of macro that I get into is it can be a bit navel-gazy. Like, I don't want to be performative about it. Like, I don't want to be like, look at me thinking about these big ideas because there's so much of that happening, like especially on social media right now. So anyway, all of this is to say these big picture conversations and making that big picture small and actionable, I think it will be something I work on over the course of this year, this lifetime. You know, it's it's not a thing I tackle in a month. It's just a question that came
2: up for me this month. (laughs) season one habit change season two changing the world
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's interesting though like listeners i don't know if you feel this when you listen to podcasts but i certainly do that and like i do when i listen to gretchen's podcasts i'm like yeah but what about this and so i I appreciate when there are those chances to see glimpses of, like, what what is the broader picture that we're thinking about. And I I do agree with you. Like, Gretchen for sure brings that stuff in sometimes, and I appreciate it. I need that from her.
2: I'm, like, not at all critical in that way. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I can do a power hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So let's
0: get it back to energy. I think the reason all of this is important and why it came up for me in examining my energy is like obviously this is a huge energy output for me. And maybe what I can work toward is concrete steps instead of like letting the existential dread overtake me. Because like I said, me worrying about it doesn't help me and it doesn't help the causes I think are important. So how do I learn how to channel that? And also how do I learn how to
2: sit with those feelings?
0: doing a meditation retreat at the end of the month, let everyone know how it goes.
2: Yeah. I mean, and also maybe in terms of energy, you can look at it from a way outside of productivity. Maybe it's not about being more productive to create energy, but what? how can you make it smaller? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the productivity link to energy for me is like, I really have internalized the work ethic of like, well, you just, you You try harder and you build and you do that. And that's like a real capitalistic framework. I think I don't know any different. I think a lot of us don't know any different. So I I guess I'm looking for us all to collectively examine that a little bit more.
2: Mm. That
0: more is not better, whether it's consuming or working. And checking things off a to-do list isn't necessarily a problem. Like, it's okay. Because those things could be like having a shower. And that's good for mental health.
2: Or going to bed early,
0: or totally. not taking
2: your phone to bed, which totally. has been great for mental health, I think.
0: Exactly. So it's not it's not all bad, and I t- certainly don't want to like let the perfect be the enemy of the good here, because that makes it more self centered and about my beliefs in things. And I think ultimately, it's a huge gray area. None of this is black or white. So I'm I'm interested in our next month to see how I continue incorporating this conversation because i think thank you everyone for listening but i think that this is uh this is circling like really big questions that i sit with often and making me articulate them in a way that often i just get overwhelmed so you know hopefully that's helped someone out there
2: listening <laughs> <laughs> all right so this has been a bit of an episode but to get back to the whole purpose of our project which is to feel happier I know for you, Caitlin, you like to think about it in terms of what has made you smile this month. Yeah, I completed a creative goal that I've
0: had for years. I, I told a story at The Flame. It's a storytelling event, and it got recorded, and that made me smile. The Artist's Way of House makes you pay attention to your creative life, and that ain't nothing but a good thing. And also the strategy of setting alarms to remind myself to drink water is working. One of our lovely listeners also made the great point that pouring out all the water at the beginning of the day so you can see it visually really helps her. And I love that. And I've been doing it with big mason jars. So a la CBT.
2: Good job, Caitlin. (laughs) What a great tip. And listeners, we need all your help. So please keep sending them to us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please do. And what about you, Paula? I know you like to evaluate what's working for you. So what's working for you?
2: Yeah. So cleaning right before bed is not working as well for me. It has to happen a little bit earlier, right after dinner. So when I get up to move my plate into the kitchen, I have to do my clean then. And then my cleanup right before bed just has to be a quick two minutes to neaten up wherever I've been sitting. But that does give me a lot of energy in the morning. So I want to keep tackling that and how I can make it work for me. And then something that I feel mixed feelings about is my don't break the chains. Because I am so much an all in or all out kind of person, I have noticed that if I miss a box, then I'm less likely to continue on. Once I've broken the chain once, it's a lot easier to break it again. So I think I need to look at building my habits in a way that doesn't require me to do them daily, but perhaps requires a certain amount of them within a month.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I sort of did that with calling my parents. It was a once a week habit and yeah, it was, it was successful. Great. Yeah. So I'm going to try that for March.
2: A little more flexibility.
0: I think at the end of February my break the chain of reading 21 minutes every day definitely fell off the, the wagon a little bit. So I'm going to re recommit to reading. What did you read this month, Paula?
2: Oh, well, I mean, I haven't got any huge recommendations this month, but last month I shared how much I'd enjoyed the book American Dirt. Since then, I have learned that it was criticized as being an inaccurate and potentially harmful stereotypical depiction of the migration experience. Especially because it was written by a white author who has not lived in Mexico. Now, in all honesty, I loved the book. It put faces to the story and made me emotionally connected to something that I had only heard about on the news. And the quality of writing was beautiful. But the conversation has pushed me to learn more about what is happening and to hear voices who have actually lived through the experience of migration. So it isn't about illegal migration, but the book I'm reading next is The Migration Experience as Told by Someone from Mexico. So this month, I'm going to read Alfredo Corchado's book, Homelands, Four Friends, Two Countries, and the Fate of the Great Mexican-American Migration. Alfredo Corchado is a Mexican-American journalist who specializes in covering the drug wars and the U.S.-Mexican border. So it should be good. Cool.
0: That sounds great. Um... My book recommendation is A Mind Spread Out on the Ground by Alicia Elliott. Oh, it was so good. I listened to the audiobook, uh, and I'm going to buy the book. It was so good. It's a memoir, a collection of personal essays, and she manages to tell funny, touching, intense, and poetic personal stories while weaving in questions about how how we in Canada treat Indigenous people and what the ongoing legacy of colonialism. She's Haudenosaunee. She's from Ontario. Uh, Read it, especially if you think it's not for you. That sounds great. Yeah, it's really, really good. And for other recommendations, if you're interested in taking Michelle C. Johnson's course of Dismantling Racism, Skill in Action, I will link to it
2: in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I hope that you will be back to join us in March where Gretchen has us focused on outer order. And if
0: you have any suggestions for clearing clutter or sitting with the void, you can send us those tips at projecthappypodcast at gmail.com. Please send them. I
2: need them.
1: Oh, do I need them.
2: (laughs) We would also love it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. And
0: how's it going for you if you've been listening along? Is there anything that's making you think about your happiness or productivity? or the void. (laughs) To find out some of our moments that make us smile, follow us on Instagram at Project Happy Podcast. A huge thank you to Brian Cochran for our catchy theme music. And we want to acknowledge that we record our podcast on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. Did you know that there's a map so you can find out what territory you're on? Go to native-land.ca. native-land.ca. We'll link to it in our show notes.